Welcome back, Metro FM Talk. I am Melanie Bala, standing in for Ayabonga Traue. And it's time for our business wrap on the show, joined by a regular guest, the very honorable Mr. Makwe Masilela, founder and chief investment officer of Makwe Fund Managers. Good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Melanie. Good evening to you. Thank you. At least you must tell Aya that I'm honorable. Ah, well, you know, you've got to give credit where it's due. I think um, let's jump straight into it. You know, of course, one of the big stories today, of course, was the fact that Stats A released the inflation figures. Um, it surged to 7.4%, the highest in 13 years since 2009. Tell us more. I think maybe Melanie, people need to realize that high inflation does not necessarily only mean that then they will be getting high interest rates because we know that it's not only at the Reserve Bank, global central banks are trying to fight this high inflation. But of concern, high inflation also weakens our economic outlook because it just worsens the cost of living. And yes, it was expected from May 6.5 jumping to 7.4. And remember, markets were expecting 7.2%. Also, when you look at the UK's June inflation, which was also released today, it jumped to record in your highs. Mm-hmm. And just like ours, the main culprits continue to be your petrol, transport, or you call it energy, and also food, you know. Just looking at your bread, cereals increasing by almost 11.2%. And we need to realize that this inflation, Melanie, it gets to be calculated from a basket of goods that most households buy. Mm-hmm. So no one can be able to escape this high inflation. And also given that wages are not even increasing at that rate, and always people are continuing to lose their jobs, so it's not looking okay at all. And I guess tomorrow our Reserve Bank might even start looking off maybe a 75 basis point interest rate hike. I hope I'm wrong because already <laughs> we've punched in that they will increase by half a percent. But this is what the guys are trying to do to tame inflation. And we've been arguing that, listen, this is not from the demand side, it's from the supply side. But I guess central bankers are more worried about consumers getting used to this and there might be that psychology that will end up keeping inflation at a high level for a long period of time. So it's not looking okay at all. Don't even think of mentioning the issues about ESCOP, which are also looking to ask for an increase of almost 33%. So things are not just looking okay. Yeah, I wanted to jump in there. You know, when you're talking about the MPC meeting tomorrow, um, you know, what are we to make of, are we, because obviously this is well outside the inflation target range, you know, of between 3 and 6%. Um, do you feel like they're going to hike it, as you say, perhaps 75, maybe even 100 basis points tomorrow? In other words, to hit us hard now and then give us relief later in the year? Are we at the peak of this cycle? You know what, the chances are, or maybe let me put it this way, half a percent is definitely expected, but... I think the Reserve Bank, it was on the sidelines of the G7 meetings. He said that they might also look at the 0.75%. So I'm not going to rule out that possibility of a 0.75%. 1%, I don't think so. But the problem then, it will be if you increase interest rates aggressively, then definitely.
definitely going to tip the economy into a recession. Already we've seen that the economy is struggling. So they have to also consider that, that as much as they want to tame this inflation, it has to be done in such a way that we end up with what we call a soft landing. And we know that everybody is increasing aggressively. So, so I don't think it will be a wise idea to increase aggressively in the short term. And then later, we just maybe stop increasing your pause or maybe you start increasing, I mean, at a slower pace. I think they must just gradually increase interest rates. And I promise you, most of us can be able to deal with that if it's a gradual increase. Yeah, I think a lot of us, you know, whether you, you're in the position that we have a private vehicle or you're using public transport, I mean, the fuel price increases over the last couple of months have been truly just astonishing. I mean, I think it's 45% higher it was in June than the year before. How does that play into the in- inflation figures? Not in a good way because I think petrol itself accounts for almost 5% when it comes to those numbers. So with Brent crude still above $100 a barrel, with the rent not coming into play still above 17 I don't think we can expect any petrol relief anytime soon, bearing in mind that the government suspended the levy. Yes. So at some point, the government might start thinking of bringing back the levy that has been suspended, and that as well will help or make petrol prices to go up. And more importantly, agriculture, manufacturing, the kind of petrol they use is diesel as well is also at elevated levels. And as we said, everything that we use, whether going to work or transporting goods, stuff like that, or at the, at the farms, we are all using petrol. So it impacts all of us directly. And hence, even maybe the oil detects industry are also talking about increasing their fares. To some extent, you can understand, even though that's going to put a strain on most of our people. For sure. Uh, I just want to remind everyone, if you want to drop us a WhatsApp, if you have any thoughts around the stuff that we're talking about this evening here on Metro FM Talk, that WhatsApp number 060-552-7303. Or if you want to drop us a tweet, you can tag me directly at Malbala. That is on Twitter. Um, And let's move across the borders now, Mark. We're to Zimbabwe. The story coming out of there around the retailers um, who, were th- who were threatened with having their licenses withdrawn by government because they were charging only in U.S. dollars. What is that about? The biggest thing here is that you've got a parallel currency market when it comes to Zimbabwe. Because if you look at the official rate of the Zim dollar, it should be 403 40 per dollar, but now the greenback changes hands on the parallel market for as much as 900, and if the volatility is increasing the reluctance to accept it as a method of payment. So the Zimbabwean authorities are saying, uh uh-uh, oops, you have to start accepting other currencies, especially the local currency. If you don't, then unfortunately we might be forced to withdraw your operating licenses. The whole idea here is that we know that the inflation, you know, is one of the highest. I mean, you look at their interest rate sitting at almost 200%, that's the highest in the world. And you look at their inflation, uh, 192% in June, and the same dollar itself has fallen over 70% against the U.S. currency. So the guys all that trying to say here is to try to make sure that this parallel market which charges almost 900, it gets to be tamed in a way because it's more than even half of that official rate of 403. So I think at some point 
retailers have to come to the party, but the most important thing will be for the Nigerian authorities to make sure that they control the inflation so that at least their currency can start improving and also the high interest rates, as they've seen, that at some point they had a temporary ban on the bank lending, mm-hmm. and as I said, they hiked the rates, but they might not have to do that going forward. Yeah, I mean, they've also, as you were saying, uh, legalized the use of the American dollar in the economy for, I think it's the next five years. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. You know, when you don't legalize things, then people tend to have a parallel market or famously known as a black market because people find a way to be innovative. Like, oh, okay, this is not legalized, then let's find our way. And unfortunately, that kind of a market, number one, is not transparent, let alone the fact that it has not been legalized. So people can charge whatever they want to charge. There's no intrinsic value in the whole thing, so it gets to be moved mainly by sentiments or what the buyer is willing to pay. All right, let's move on to, uh, I think, one of the big ones today. The inaugural Black Industrialists and Exporters Conference took place in Santon. Um, and the keynote address was delivered by President Cyril Ramaphosa, looking at how far we've come since 1994. Um, it's been 20 years since the BBBEE Act was promulgated. And I guess I was saying earlier, it's a checkpoint, right? It's a checkpoint to say, how far are we? How far have we come? What do we need to do? I think we still have a very long way to go. As they said, that almost 55 billion has been pumped over the past 11 years. But number one, that 55 billion is just in the hands of very few people. Number two, it's just a drop in the ocean, given the amount or the size of our economy, you know, which are talking over four, five trillion. So 55 is nothing. And industrialists so far have been pushed or getting support from government itself. So everybody, all stakeholders need to come to the party. And here we're talking the private sector as well. I think it's a harsh reality that when it comes to the private sector, the only do is to tick the box, you know, mm-hmm. and not in full support of this whole thing. And if we continue Melanie, at this pace, we're not going to see significant changes to our economy. And also, as much as we're pushing for support coming from the private sector, we also have to make sure that this whole benefit of industrialism gets to be widened. It's not those who are connected to those who are policymakers. And even ordinary people can at least start feeling the impact because that's the only way to broaden the base to make sure that people realize the real benefit of any policy. It's not only the industrial policy, but yeah, so far I don't think we've done well at all because black industrialists are there. The problem is access not only to capital, but access to the market themselves. You can have a brilliant idea, you can have investors supporting you, but if people don't give you access to the market, then it's a problem. So I think we need to move away from the, the, the point of you need money to be able or funds to start your business or be successful. You need both yeah, funds I mean, and sorry, access continue. to market. Yeah. You need both, which are funds and access to the market. So this support is very critical. Yes, government continues to be a big spender, but we know government processes are not as quick as the private sector processes. And I think when it comes to cash flow, which is key for all the businesses, you are better off doing business with the private sector because even their repayments, you know, or whenever they have to make invoices, 
that needs to be submitted. It's not going to sit 60 days, 90 days. They can pay you in a week, stuff like that, and that will help with the cash flow of any business. Remember, good business can still go down if cash flows are not there. And private sector is well known for being able to pay staff on time. Yeah, you know, I mean, he said, and I think, quote, out of his speech, he said, uh, shift into a higher gear. But I'll be honest, to me, this sounds a lot like stuff we've heard before. You know, uh, State of the Nation address, you know, uh, all these things where we told we're about to we're about to do this. We're going to do this. And then a year goes by, 18 months goes by and you don't really see a difference. Do you feel that that this is a, a shift? Do you feel that government is taking it more seriously this time around? Not really, and I agree with you. You know, we're very good at talking. The problem is the implementation part of things. But also we have to be careful that if we define government as policymakers, sometimes it's not their fault because they can approve policies. The problem lies with the officials that they are not implementing those policies in the right way. And maybe, yes, policymakers can also be blamed not to be able to monitor to say that whatever policies that have been agreed upon gets to be implemented in a very good way. But yes, it's not right, and people are losing hope that, yeah, we keep on talking, we come with plans, programs, but we're getting nowhere. And it's so funny, you know, we've got programs which are very successful. I don't know why don't we copy that. You look into the motor industry, the plan that the program that they have for that sector is just doing wonders. Hence, we continue to attract foreign uh, original equipment manufacturers to come and build their cars back home here because that program is doing just so well. So government already has got something which is good. They must just copy that and make sure that they implement that on other sectors. Yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, there was uh, part of the things he announced today was another uh, council, an advisory council, the BBEEE advisory council was announced. But something that did stand out for me in his keynote was him talking about a soon to be announced package regarding energy, which, of course, electricity. And you mentioned that is one of the big hindrances, you know, without a stable supply. uh, How do we actually grow businesses? And it's very worrisome because we know what our problems are. But the problem is we don't come with solutions. We are very good at analyzing our problems, but we are not very good at coming up with solutions. And I think at some point, policymakers get to a point that that desperate to say something, and they announce something that is not ready as yet. Instead of them taking time, instead of coming to us and saying we've got a plan when it comes to energy, they should be saying, We've got a plan. Here it is. Not to say we will be working on this and that. It's tiring. And this energy issue, it has been with us years back. Mm-hmm. Remember, there was a smelter that was uh, stopped. I think it was more than 10, 15 years back at Coeca. The guys pulled out and they didn't invest because by then, ESCOM couldn't secure or guarantee them energy. We should have learned then that this is really discouraging investors and they Remember, South Africa is gone at the days where we are seeing as this thing when it comes to Africa. We are starting to compete with other African countries for those kind of investments. So we just have to up our game. Absolutely. And and I'm so glad you brought that up in terms of other countries on the continent are are vying for business investment because that takes us to our next story around how our loss is Ghana's gain. Um, Ghana is getting the benefit of a farm from here in South Africa that uh, grows passion fruit that has said enough. They actually can't do it here anymore um, and they're planning to up and move their operations to Ghana. 
And it's a wise business decision. I agree with them. I'll do the same, you mm-hmm. know. But listen, Ghana's climate is okay for as well to grow Granadilla. Back home here, we've got issues with the pot. We've been having issues with the refrigerators, the cooling system. So as a result, I'm losing money as a business person. Remember, I didn't get a grant from government. This is my own money that I invested in the business. So if it's not working here, I have to go and look somewhere to make sure that it works. Because remember, as executives who run the business, they have to make sure that they unlock and deliver to the shareholders, the owners of capital. So for them to make that kind of a move is to make sure that they continue to get a good return when it comes to their investment. And I hope we don't put get politics into this whole thing. If, Melanie, your money is not working at place X, you've got the right to move it somewhere where you know that you'll make better returns. And not even to mention that Ghana itself has managed to improve their parts, let alone the fact that it's closer to Europe. So this is a serious wake-up call. Yes, we know the guys, as much as they're moving to Ghana, they'll be using that farm to start planting the nuts. But yeah, they're not as profitable as pressing fruit. And remember, as a country as well, we have lost out not just on the job front, mm-hmm. but also when it comes to earning that foreign money. Because as we export, then we're also benefiting and getting that foreign currency back into the country. 100%. Markwe, thank you so much for your time this evening. Pleasure. It's also always awesome chatting to you. That's Magwe Masilela, founder and chief investment officer at Magwe Fund Managers. It's 7.34. We're going to take a small break and we'll be right back.